7 is our second reading. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verse 1, hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou go to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord does not set his love upon you nor choose you because ye were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he hath sworn unto your fathers hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass If ye hearken to these judgments, and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers, and he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb and the fruit of thy land, thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, the increase of thy kine and the flocks of thy sheep in the land which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male nor female barren among you, nor among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee, which uh, thine eye shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for that will be a snare unto thee. If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt, the great temptations which thine eyes saw, and the signs and the wonders, and the mighty hand and the stretched out arm, whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out. So shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid." Moreover, the Lord thy God will send the hornet among them till they that are left <clears throat> till they that are left and hide themselves from thee be destroyed. Thou shalt not be affrighted at them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. 
And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beasts of the field increase upon thee. But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee, and shalt destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. And he shall deliver their kings into thine hand, and thou shalt destroy their name from under heaven. There shall no man be able to stand before thee till thou have destroyed them. The graven images of their God shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. For it is an abomination to the Lord thy God. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. All right, so we hear about the seven Canaanite nations that are about to be destroyed at the beginning of this chapter. Notice the Lord does not say if, but when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into this land. The promises of God are not if, they are when. So we take confidence from that. The second thing, when thou hast utterly destroyed them, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Now we have these wonderful statements of separation here. Uh, they will become a snare, is what Moses reveals to the people of God. And when they become a snare, what does he mean by that? They'll turn away your heart from following the true and living God. May I say this, beloved children especially, I want you to hear me because of where we're going immediately after this. There are things you should fear in this world. But the thing that you should fear most greatly above all else is that your heart would be turned aside from following the Lord your God. That's what you should fear more than anything else. All right, so what happens next in the chapter? We have a word on marriage. I want to say a word on marriage. We're in that chapter in our confession of faith. We've already talked about consanguinity, affinity, and so on. We've talked about other such things. We want to say this about marriage. It's God's institution. God regulates it. Um, And one of the things that God does when he regulates marriage is he tells children, and by the way, when you're married, you're not, you're not a child, obviously, but you are the children of your parents. You're children in that sense, even though you're young adults in your own right. But we note here that there is a familial involvement in the marriage. Now, I want to make sure we get this straight, children, so that you understand what's being spoken of here. Um, the marriages are regulated by the parents, This is what Moses says here. They're regulated by the parents. Young ladies, don't go giving your heart to a young man without talking to your mom and dad. It's going to end up in heartbreak for you. Young men, don't set your sights upon a young lady without talking to mom and dad. Mom and dad have veto rights. You know what veto means? Veto is a Latin term that means I forbid. That's what veto means. Be careful, children. And recognize this. Be humble enough, children and young adults, that you're you're growing up and you're coming toward meritable age. Be humble enough to realize you may not be the best judge of a 
person to be your husband or your wife. You may not be the best judge. You may have something that you're uh, intentionally or unintentionally blind to because something else is attracting you. You may not be the best judge. Parents, don't drive your children into final singleness because you can't find anyone perfect enough for your little Johnny or your little Janie. Recognize that sinners marry sinners. The criteria for marriage is what? That you marry in the Lord. We look for a professing believer for, our, for a spouse, for our son or our daughter. We want to have say on that. And children, you must give your parents input on that decision. If you make that decision by yourself, you will have no one to blame but yourself when it goes to heartache. Okay? Notice what it says. Moses talks to the parents here, and he says, Don't give your daughters to them, and don't take daughters for your sons from them. What is he saying? The parents have the final rights here. Okay? All right, so both sides must be considered here. The desire of the one who wants to be married, the spouse... And the parents, everybody must come together and be satisfied. Everyone must do that. And we don't want to be too stringent, like we said, that we drive our children into, into singlehood because we couldn't find anyone perfect enough for them. Okay, But we also um, don't marry them off to the first person that walks by because we want to make sure we're doing our job and getting them out of the house. Right? Godly Spouses for godly spouses. We must work on that. We must think about it. We must plan for it. And even today, we must pray for it. Parents, pray for your children years before that the Lord would bring that godly spouse to your family at the right time, at his time. So that's the first part of the chapter because ultimately marriage is for whom? It's not for you. It's for God's glory was glorify God in the union of a husband and a wife. Why? Because it is given to the world as a picture of Christ and the love that he has for his bride. Okay? All right. So enough on that. I have to hustle here so as to be courteous to Mr. Waylow. Thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. So in your marriages and in your worship, you don't mingle with the heathen. That's what the Lord would say here in these first few verses. Now we have one of the greatest statements of the graciousness of the Lord, the free and unmerited favor of God in verses 7 and 8. Why did the Lord choose Israel? Were they the best and the brightest? Were they the biggest? Were they the baddest? Were they the, were there, was there something about Israel that would draw God's favor down to them? Actually, the Lord destroys every, every uh, paradigm that would, uh, that would assert God... Uh, owed them in some way or recognized them in some way. No, 
It generated in God. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more than in number than any people, for ye were the fewest, but because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep his oath, which he had sworn to your fathers. He chose them, and he chose you when he chose them. And so we have the covenant-keeping, promise-honoring faithfulness of God that is exhibited here. Not for anything in us. Boy, aren't we glad of that. Not for anything in us. Because if it were for something in us, and this, is, this has to do with your marriages, children. If you get married thinking, oh, well, this person, I love them because of this or because of that. What happens when this or that changes? It's no longer there. That's why we marry in the Lord and for the Lord. And this is what is being spoken of here. It is God's grace that calls us. It's not for anything in us. So he's the faithful God. He keeps covenant and mercy, chesed, to them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So notice how we have grace and covenant and obedience all rolled up together here. These are not contrary things in scripture. They are sides of the same thing. Okay? All right. Um, So now we move on to God's encouragements for obedience in 12, uh, 12 all the way down through really the end of the chapter. Um, God's encouragements to them. If you obey me, I won't put any, any of the, uh, the, the diseases that you saw in Egypt upon you. I will bless you in your cattle, in the fruit of your own womb. I will... Uh, I will make sure that your corn produces and so on. The Lord encourages them to obedience with temporal uh, blessings and will discourage them with temporal judgments should they disobey him. Okay? This is not, again, quid pro quo. We heard this earlier today. Rather, what it is is God's encouragements and discouragements, his countenings and his discountenancing, his... Uh, pressing forward to obedience and his discouraging from disobedience. And then finally the chapter ends with, you don't have anything to be afraid of. You know why you don't? You don't have anything to be afraid of because all you need to do is remember what the Lord did in Egypt. And as we've already heard up to this point, what he did with Sihon and what he did with Og. Uh, All those giants are gone. The giants that you will face now, they'll be gone too. Don't worry about your stratagems in battle. Make use of means. Worry rather about or be concerned rather about whether you're obeying me and following me because that will be your success. Right? Okay, well, a little bit brief on chapter 7, but we spent some time on marriage there. Let's go ahead and continue praising God in the singing of